So I'm going to be uh, preaching today about this man by the name of David. And most everybody knows the story about David where David killed the giant by the name of Goliath and then he became king of Israel. But there is so much more to the story than that because from the time that David was a shepherd boy tending to his father's flock till the time he became king of Israel, David was anointed on three different occasions. Did you know that? Some of you did, some of you didn't. Some of you think he just got anointed by the prophet Samuel out of the field and then killed a giant, then, then became a king. But I'm here to tell you, on three separate occasions, David was anointed by God. He used men to do the anointing, but they all came from God. And many people don't realize that there were three separate anointings that took place in David's life. But I want to preach today about these three distinct anointings, and I believe these three separate anointings hold so much significance in the life of David. And what I mean by this is with each separate anointing came a new season in David's life. This is going to be for a few people. I already know this right now. There were three different anointings that took place in David's life. And with each time that he was anointing came a new season in his life. And I believe as children of God, we can relate with David because when we get anointed for the first time, a season comes in our life. Then the next time we get anointed from God, another season comes in our life. Then the next time we get anointed by God, a new season comes. So as children of God, I believe that we can relate to the life of David because every time he was anointed, he stepped into a new season. So with the help of the Holy Ghost today, Today, I'm going to do my very best to teach you and preach about these separate distinct anointings and how it related to the life of David into the season that he began to walk in. So if you're ready to get into this, I want you to high five your neighbor and say, you look really good today. And then I want you to turn to your neighbor on the other side and say, thank you. Then give God a great big hand clap of praise in the house. You look good. You look good. We all look good. Hey, hey, hey. And when we look good, we feel good. Come on, somebody. Woo! We all look good. Do you know why? Because we are made in the very image of our God. Oh, woo. All right. All right. Are you guys ready to get into this? Let's talk about these three different anointings. The first anointing that took place in David's life is found in 1 Samuel chapter number 16 and verse 13. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 13. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV and all these different occurrences when David was anointed. So 1 Samuel 16 verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. I love that part. The Spirit of the Lord rushed, came in a mighty way upon David's life from that day forward. This was the very first time that David was anointed by God. But let me give you a little background history on, on what's taking place here. Israel already had a king. He was King Saul, but he was 
disobedient to God. He was not listening to the voice of God. So God rejected King Saul. He was still king, but God took his hand off of him. God took his anointing off of him. And God began to speak to a prophet by the name of Samuel. And Samuel would have been a prophet to the nation of Israel. He would have been the mouthpiece speaking on behalf of God, hearing from God and speaking a direct word to the nation of Israel. And God told the prophet Samuel, I've took my anointing off of King Saul. I've took my hand off of him. I have actually rejected Saul. And now there's going to be a new king for all of Israel. I want you, Prophet Samuel, to go to the house of Jesse because there's going to be a new king that you're going to anoint. And we all know that is going to be King David. But if you study a little bit in 1 Samuel 16, and I hope you study your Bible. Can I get an amen right now? And if you haven't studied 1 Samuel 16, this is your homework for this week. I want you to go home and I want you to read 1 Samuel 16 and 1 Samuel 17. But in 1 Samuel chapter number 16, the prophet obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Jesse's house. And immediately when the prophet Samuel walked into Jesse's home, he saw Eliab. And Eliab would have been David's, probably his eldest brother. And by the looks of him, he was big, he was tall, he looked the part. And the prophet Samuel immediately saw him and thought, well, he must be the king. And when I thought about this, I know why Samuel thought he was probably the next king. Because the Bible tells us that the king at the time, King Saul, he stood a head and shoulders above everybody else. He was large and in charge. He was big. He was tall. Not me. I'm 5'8". Praise God. But King Saul was tall, and when he walks into Jesse's house, he sees Eliab, and he's tall. And in the natural, he fit the part. In the natural, he looked the part. Oh, come on, somebody. In the natural, he looked like he should have been the next king. And the, the prophet Samuel even spoke to himself and thought, oh, well, he's got to be the next king because he's tall, Right? I thought about this this morning as I was driving over here. Praise God. Thank God that the prophet Samuel didn't operate in the flesh. Thank God that the prophet Samuel didn't just look in the natural and say, oh, yep, he's tall. Yep, he fits the part. He looks the part. He's got to be the next king. Praise God that he didn't just just operate in, in an unction of his flesh, but he waited to hear the voice of God. And let me just say this. I believe when prophets start operating in the flesh, they get themselves in a heap of trouble. And let me just back up a little bit, and I'll give you some history lesson on this. I believe in the election with Donald Trump, it looked like in the natural he was going to win by a landslide. It looked like in the natural he was going to be the next president of the United States of America. And these prophets saw this in the natural, so what did they do? Instead of getting a word from God, they began to speak and say things in the natural because it looked like he was getting ready to win and be the next president. Some of you don't like this, but it's okay because I'm preaching truth. Am I right, Pastor Connor? Because it just looked like it. And so they operated in the natural, and they said, Donald Trump's going to serve two consecutive terms. And then some of you are like, well, the, the, the election got stolen. Do you think, honestly, are you that dumb to think that God's setting up in heaven and he got taken by surprise? 
oh, I can't, I can't believe that happened. No, no. God knows everything. But prophets begin to speak in the natural and not listen to the voice of God. I'm, it's okay. You ain't intimidating me. It's all right. Let me just get back on preaching here. Because Samuel the prophet, he thought that Eliab was going to be the next king because he was tall. But, but God had different plans. Praise God. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, verse number 7, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, Eliab would not be the one. Because man looks at outward appearance and God looks at the heart. Man, please hear me, man always looks at the outward appearance and God always looks at the heart. Man will look outward and God looks inward. I feel like preaching for just a minute because we're all guilty of this from time to time, especially when it concerns churches. Because we see these big, beautiful buildings and, and very modern and they got fancy lights and smoke shows and a great rock concert with guys wearing skinny jeans. And, but let me tell you, it looks good from the outside, but, 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 but his spirit isn't there. They have the fancy and most modern technology in these grand sanctuaries. It looks good from the outside. But something's missing on the inside. You better hear your pastor today. God doesn't look at outward appearance. What matters to him is what's on the inside. Come on, somebody. I want the real thing, baby. I want the power. I want the anointing. I want the glory. I want the presence of God in my life and in this building. Can I get a witness right now? From the outside appearance, catch the fire. Church doesn't look like much. It's just a tin metal pole barn in the middle of nowhere Illinois so from the outside appearance it don't look like much but let me tell you something baby there's something on the inside it's his anointing it's his glory it's his power that's what I want can I get a witness in the house hallelujah hallelujah so Samuel went to Eliab. He wasn't the one. God rejected him. Then Samuel thought, oh, I'll go to the next one. Wasn't the one. Then the next one. The prophet Samuel went through all of David's seven brothers. The prophet Samuel was like, I knew and I know that I heard from the Lord. So he asked Jesse the father, do you have any other sons? And he said, I do, but you probably don't want him. Because he's just a little teenage boy that's tending to, my, to, to, the, to the flock outside. These are probably the, the cream of the crop. This is your, you choose right here out of this pick. And he's like, no, 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 they're not going to do. Do you have another one? Yeah, then go get him. Let me just tell you right now. Man may look at you and think that you're not good enough. You may not look the part. David didn't look the part. He was skinny. He was ruddy. He was a teenage boy. In fact, some scholars say that David was an illegitimate son of Jesse. That's why he had him out in the field. He was embarrassed of him. 
Ooh, I feel like that's a, that's a nerve in the spirit right now. You may have had some parents that may think that you might have thought they was embarrassed of you, but I'm here to tell you right now, God has got your back, and with God all things are possible. Man might have counted you out, but God is counting you in, and he's getting ready to do something in your life that's about to blow your mind. If you believe it, give him some praise right now. Woo! You might not have the right degree. You might not have the right name. You might not have the right pedigree. But I'm telling you right now, when God is on your side, that is all you need. I said when God is on your side, that is all you need. So this teenage boy comes into the house. And the prophet Samuel in verse number 13 takes a horn of oil and pours it over David's head. And from that day forward, the presence of the Lord was upon David. Please hear what I'm about to say. With every anointing comes a new season. And we see this in David's life. With every time that he got anointed, he stepped into a new season of his life. You've heard the old saying, with every new devil, there's a new level. You ever heard that? Let me tell you, there is a lot of truth with this, and we see it in David's life. Because almost immediately after David was anointed with this first anointed anointing, he had to take out a giant in his life. There was a new devil that he had to face immediately. He had to face this giant, and then he had to face some temptation. And I'm going to get into all of this here in just a moment. So after David was anointed, almost immediately he shows up on a battlefield in a valley of Elah, and he says, is there not a cause? And he begins to take on the giant by the name of Goliath of Gath, who was fighting for the Philistine army. And you know the story with a sling and with a stone. God used this young teenage boy whom he, whom he anointed to take out this giant by the name of Goliath. But as soon as he took out this giant in front of everyone that could see, he was catapulted into the limelight. He was anointed. He took out a giant. And then he was catapulted into the limelight. And then people began to sing, Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his tens of thousands. And if you're not careful, my brothers and sisters, you can get a big head real quick in these types of situations. When you're catapulted into the limelight and you hear people begin to sing Saul's killed his thousands but David has killed his tens of thousands your head can swell up real big real quick and jealousy was King Saul's downfall but temptation was in the face of David during this first season of anointed anointing and here's what I mean temptation to think you're greater than your leader will arise when you first get anointed, especially when you start getting a lot of accolades. Well, it's quiet, but it's okay. I've had to deal with this myself. Everything I teach or preach, I'm telling you, I've dealt with. I've had a, I've had a Saul in my life, and I was the David. I've had a Saul want to kill me spiritually, and I was the David. But I also had a David experience I felt in the spirit and I got a lot of accolades, and then all of a sudden, this young man started getting a big head, thinking I was just as great as everybody. I'm telling you, yeah, it happens. 
it happens. Being anointed now doesn't make you ready for the office right now. Being anointed right now does not make you ready for the office that God has called you to immediately. It's a process. Somebody say it's a process. It's a process. David had to go through some things first. He, he, he had to take out that generational giant. He, he had to take on this form of temptation. And, and, and David never did talk about Saul. Saul tried to kill David, and he was hiding out from, 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 from Saul. But he never touched him. He never laid a hand on him, and he could have. But he chose not to. God was using him and maturing him through this first anointing season. Are you hearing me right now? We will all go through this, each and every one of us. Just because you are called and you have an anointing now does not make you ready immediately for the position or the office that he's called you to. It's a process. Somebody say it's a process. And I want you to understand that even though it was Samuel that anointed David, that, anointed, that anointing came straight from God. Okay? We're all on the same page, right? Let's talk about the second anointing. The second time that David was anointed is found in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 4. And it says this. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. David is now anointed to be king of Judah. He was anointed to be king of Israel a few years prior, but he was going through a process of maturity, and now he's anointed to be king of Judah. Well, pastor, I thought he was anointed to be king of Israel. He is, but he's going through a process because Judah was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. He was anointed to be king over all of Israel, but he wasn't ready for that call yet. He wasn't ready for that position yet. So he was placed over one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Judah was kind of off by itself. Um, David didn't rush to try to take control over the entire nation of Israel. David was okay with ruling over a little bit because God was getting ready to transform him into being something great. Amen. Sometimes, my brothers and sisters, we need to start small and learn and listen to God so he can build us up in a maturity and character in the spirit so we can be ready for that next level. Can I get an amen? So during the second anointing season, David inquired of the Lord and he listened to God. And David understood he had some learning to do because this was still all part of this growth process. Please hear me. During the second season anointing, David was in a season of a lot of battles. In the second season anointing, David was in a season of a lot of battles. Lots of battles occurred during the season of David's life. And David learned to be a tactical leader in the midst 
of crisis, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of wars. Hear me, my brothers and sisters. Sometimes we go through seasons in our Christian walk because we are anointed for spiritual warfare. Sometimes we'll go through seasons in our walk with the Lord where we seem to battle more than other times. Am I preaching to anybody right now that's ever been there before? Have you ever just seemed to fight one battle after the next? Wave at me if that's you. Maybe you're in this place today in this season of your life. You've been anointed for something great, but now you're going from one battle to the next. It just seems to be reoccurring. You're fighting a battle. You get over it. Here comes another battle and then another one. This was the season of life that David was in. One battle after the next. This was the second season anointing. And when you are in these seasons of battles, you're learning the enemy's strategies. You're learning how to operate. You're learning how to do warfare. You're learning what works, what doesn't work, what to do, what not to do. Can I get an amen right now? Don't despise the battle seasons of your life. Sometimes the Lord will have you in a season of spiritual warfare. It's not to hurt you. It's not to harm you. It is to grow you into the man or woman of God that he's called you to be. Can somebody give him some praise right now in the house? Quit throwing a pity party and saying, I don't know why I'm going through this. I just seem to be going through this trial. I seem to be going through this battle. Rejoice. Begin to rejoice because that means God is doing something in your life. He's making you stronger. Can I get a witness? Is this resonating with anybody? <laughs> Going through a, this second anointing season of your life is a season of trusting the Lord God Almighty. And that is what's taking place with David when he was anointed king of Judah. And I think it's interesting that the name Judah means praise. <laughs> Let me say that again. I think it's very interesting that he was king of Judah, and Judah means praise. I heard Pastor Jim Rayley not very long ago say, you have to be king of praise before you can be king of all. I think there's some truth to that, my brothers and sisters, because if you can't surrender your all to Jesus and, and surrender your praise to the King of Kings, you will never, ever, ever step into your God-called destiny that God has for you. Let me say that again. If you can't surrender your all now to Jesus in praise to Him who is worthy of all praise, if you can't humble yourself and surrender your all, hear me, you will never ever step into your God-called destiny. God inhabits the praises of his people. That's scripture. That means his presence comes to dwell, to live amongst you. David understood this. Even though he was going through battles after battle after battle after battle, fighting for his life, he was king of Judah. He knew who to praise. He knew, he knew who was on the throne in heaven. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 150 says this. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. 
I got four people. I said, Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Do you have some breath in your lungs right now? You might as well give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just feel like telling you, everyone should be making praise to the King of Kings a priority in our lives. Praise to God Almighty must be first and foremost in our everyday lives if we really want to step into that next season that God has for us. Jesus must be first and foremost. Somebody ought to give him a hand clap of praise right now in the house. Come on, somebody ought to shout, shout some praise right now in this house. You got breath in your lungs, you might as well give him some praise. You may be in a season of spiritual warfare, but I got a word for this church today. Your praise is a weapon. I said your praise is a weapon. You might as well learn to use it, baby, because the weapons of a warfare are not carnal but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. Did you know your praise can pull down some strongholds in your life, in your family, in your workplace, in this region? Praise is a weapon. You might as well use it. Oh, hallelujah. 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 So this second anointing was a season of battles, but it was also a season of praise. Judah was one of 12, and, and I like what Luke 16, 10 says. Jesus said that, that, that if he can trust you with a little, he'll trust you with much. But if he can't trust you with a little, you're missing out. Can he trust you with the little? Some of you might just have a little praise right now, but I'm telling you, he's, he's worthy of it. He, he, he's worthy of the praise. You may have came in here today and you may feel like all hell and hot water is coming your way and you're battling for your life and this battle's taking place and this is happening. I'm telling you, praise him anyhow. Praise him anyhow. Come on, praise him Anyhow, when you get up tomorrow morning, you might as well give him some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Let's look at this third and final anointing. It's found in 2 Samuel 5, verse number 3. So David went from being a shepherd boy to being anointed by the prophet Samuel, then a few years later becoming king of Judah. And now we see this third anointing in David's life, 2 Samuel 5.3, and it says this, So all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. They anointed David king over all, is what this said. They anointed David king over Israel. David, here in 2 Samuel chapter 5, receives the anointing that he has been waiting for and preparing for since he was a little shepherd boy tending to his father's flock. David went from being a giant killer to king of Judah to now he's king over Israel and he's about to unify all of Israel. Can I get an amen right now? During this season of David's life, it seems that everything that he worked for, 
fought for, sacrificed for, bled for, cried for, is now coming to pass. Watch this now. In this third anointing season of David's life, this is when the Ark of the Covenant was brought back to Israel. Does anybody know what the Ark of the Covenant represents? What? God's presence. During, man, I feel the anointing. During this third anointing season of David's life, this is when the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, was brought back for all of Israel. My God, my God, my God. I just want to say this to catch the fire church today. It is all about living in the presence of our God. You go through this season and this season, but God wants us to be in a season to where we are in his presence. Can I get a witness right now? This is so awesome. In 2 Samuel chapter number 7, there was a prophet by the name of Nathan. And the word of the Lord came to Nathan, and he wanted him to speak to King David, speaking these words. He wanted him to go to David and say, and the Lord said he would establish a house for his name, meaning the name of the Lord, and God would establish his kingdom forever. There's so much revelation in this. This is so powerful when you get this in your spirit. The prophet Nathan went to newly kinged David and says, the Lord has spoken, and he says that you are going to establish a house for his name, and he will build his kingdom and will establish his kingdom through you forever. This is what this third anointing on David's life is all about. It's about establishing the kingdom of God forever. Oh, you got to get this in your spirit right now. We see this fulfilled through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because Jesus came from the line of David. Did you know this? Everything David went through, all the battles, the sleepless nights, was more, was, 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 was far more than he ever realized because it was to establish the kingdom of God. And I feel this strongly in my spirit, and I have since last night. I really feel like this is where many of us right here at Catch the Fire Church, I really feel like this is where we're at in this season. We've been anointed. We've had to go through a lot of battles. We've had to learn how to praise. We've had to learn how to do spiritual warfare. But why did we have to go through all of this? It is, man, I feel like preaching. Are you getting this in your spirit? Right? It is to establish the kingdom of God in your life forever. Who am I preaching to right now? now Woo! everything we've gone through all the hell and high water the tears the lies the backstabbing the battles it was worth it all why because the presence of God is in this place and the kingdom of God will be established forever not only in our lives but in the generations to come some of you have no idea why you're going through the battle you're going through. Some of you have no idea why you're going through what you're going through. It, let me tell you, it is to establish the kingdom of God, not only in your life, but for the generations to come. If the Lord tarries and does not come back after us, 
and this place is here in 400 years. Guess what? Physically, we're not going to be here. We won't, but there will be somebody else here. What you do today matters for eternity. Woo! What you do right now matters for the generations to come. In this third season of anointing, it was a season in David's life to establish the kingdom of God forever. That's powerful. That is powerful. So my brothers and sisters, it's worth it all. Everything you've gone through, it is worth it all. Because the presence of God, his kingdom is established not only in our lives, but in your children and their children and their children. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Everything you've gone through, it wasn't in vain. I think many times Christians go through things and we, we, we have pity parties and we wonder why. And oh me, oh my, and we cry ourselves a river. But I'm here to tell you, what you've gone through wasn't in vain. Those battles you fought wasn't in vain. It was to establish the kingdom of God in your life. Whew. Nathan one said, God wants you to build a house for, in his name where his presence would dwell and his kingdom would be established forever. That's Old Testament. In the New Testament, we're that house. We're that temple. We're stamped with a name. Come on, somebody. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And his kingdom is established in our lives forever. Have you ever thought of it that way? Most of us, we have American Christianity. And we're, hey, I'm saved. We go through the motions, and that's about it. But I'm telling you, God has greater plans for all of us than we could even imagine. You got saved and born again and sanctified and filled with his spirit. And he has placed his name upon you so he could establish his kingdom in your life forever. Wow. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From the time that David was anointed by the prophet Samuel as a shepherd boy to the time he actually sat on the throne to be king over all of Israel, several years had passed, probably around 15 years. Because when he was anointed by the prophet Samuel, most theologians say he was 15 years of age. But now, when he's anointed king over all of Israel, Scripture tells us when he was anointed, he was 30 years of age. So from the time that he was initially called, from the time he was initially anointed to be king over all of Israel, 15 years had gone by. He was anointed to be king of Israel at age 15. But he wasn't ready for that position of authority. Watch this now. He had the anointing upon his life, but he didn't carry the character that went along with the anointing. 
David had to go through some things first. David had to kill some giants. He had to learn submission. He had to, he had to understand spiritual authority. He had to become completely dependent upon God. He had to listen to his voice and obey his voice. David had to become a praiser. And God had to teach David some things. But in the natural, he was anointed here. So why wasn't he king right then? He, he was anointed to be king. And we know that the hand of God was pulled off of King Saul. God had already rejected him. Scripture says this. He remained king for a while. But God said, my hand's off of him. I've rejected him. There's going to be a new king. So why? Think about this. Why? Why wasn't David right then immediately installed in the office of the king over all of Israel? Because the prophet took the horn of oil and poured it over his head. He should have been placed in that position. That's what most people think in the natural. But please hear me. It's all about God's timing. There's been times in my life where I feel like God's done something or speaking to me or an anointing comes on me, and I want it right then. But he says, whoa, hold your horses there, young man. This is on my timing. I don't want to get ahead of God, but I don't want to miss God. I want to be right on time. And guess what? We serve a right on time God. If we are obedient to him and we listen to him, come on, I feel like preaching right now. It is all in God's timing. But as humans, we want to rush things. We get anointed, but we don't have the character that goes along with that level of anointing that God has called us to. Mm. And when we get anointed, but we don't have the character that God's called us to walk in with that level of anointing, we'll find ourselves in a whole heap of trouble, and we'll find ourselves in a great mess up. And I'm sure many of you are like me. I've seen this far too often where someone has an anointing, but instead of submitting, instead of understanding spiritual authority, instead of learning and going through the growth process that God has for us, we tend to rush the process because we have the anointing, so we want it right now, and we try to force it. And you get yourself in trouble because you don't have the growth process. You don't have the maturity. You don't have the character on the same level of the anointing. I'm preaching really good. And we see this too, far too often. And let me give you some examples. We see this in ministry. We see this with pastors, worship pastors, and different people in ministry. They have an anointing. God called them. He anointed them. But they've never gone through process of growth and maturity and having a godly character that lines up with that level of anointing. And so what happens is you get pastors who cheat on their wives. Because they, they went through that stage where now they have this temptation in their heads big and I've arrived. And then women will come and Things happen, and they fall into sexual sin. Or you'll get some guy who has an anointing to prophesy, but what's he do? He turns into a charlatan because he wants the greed. He wants the money. I'm telling you guys, I can name, name after name after name after name, but I won't because all of you know people just like that. And you all know I'm preaching 
a lot of truth in here right now. We need character to go along with the level of anointing. I would rather have someone with a small congregation who I know is anointed, but they walk in godly character to come and preach behind this pulpit than somebody with a big name that's all over TV, but I know what they're doing. I know that they've divorced their wife because they've had an affair with this one, and now they've got a side chick. But everybody's hiring them to come in, and that's what they are. They're hirelings. They come in to get a big paycheck behind pulpits, but they don't. They're pulpit pimps. Come on, somebody. But they don't. Yeah, you don't like that kind of preaching, but I'm preaching truth. They don't have the care. My father-in-law, you're like that when he grinned. I know when D.G. Conway don't like what I preach because he goes like this. But when he likes something, he goes like this. And he just smile when I call them pulpit pimps because it's truth. <laughs> but there's a lot of ministries, ministers, pastors, worship people who travel and get paid lots of money, but they don't have a, they might have an anointing, but they don't have character. I don't want to associate with people like that. I got two amens. The rest of you are like, well, they got good CDs, and I watch them on YouTube. <laughs> you guys know I'm preaching truth, though. Whew. The reason why all these things happen with a lack of character and we fall into pride and sexual immorality is because we've never built character. And please hear me. Please hear me. Whom God anoints, he appoints. It's in his timing, not ours. We shouldn't have these schools where you come for a week and then they activate you and then now these, these people are just running loose, running wild. They've never had to learn submission. They've never had to learn to set under and have spiritual authority. They never had to go through battles for themselves. I'll preach that at a conference sometime. Praise God. And I know I say this all the time. The anointing makes the difference, which is so true. The anointing makes a difference. But what good is having an anointing? If you don't have character. Integrity is the key to a successful ministry leadership position. Let me say that again. Integrity is key to a successful leadership position. Don't rush the process. God has you right where he wants you. You may be in that field tending to some stinky sheep somewhere. <laughs> but God's got something in mind for you. Can I get you guys to come up here? You may be in that Judah season of your life where it seems like it's been one battle after the next. But I'm telling you, trust him through this process. Listen to his voice. Learn how to do spiritual warfare. He has you right where he wants you. Or you may have gone through that giant killing season, or you might have gone through that battle after battle after battle, Judah 
anointing season. And here you are in this season of your life where everything you've worked for, everything you've fought for, everything you've prayed for, everything you've battled for is now coming to pass. I'm here to tell you, take those experiences that you learned, take that character, take that anointing, take that integrity, take it with you now and establish the kingdom of God forever in your life. If you would, stand to your feet all over the house. I don't really know how to give an altar call after a message like this. All I know is here at Catch the Fire Church, the altar is always open. So if you're in this house today and I was preaching to you in any way, shape, or form, this altar is open. But in fact, all of us should be up here because it's not about us. It's about Him. So on the count of three, I'm going to open this altar. One, two, three. Get up here right now. Just begin to worship Him. Just begin to meditate on Him. Begin to thank Him. Begin to pray. Begin to get in His presence and realize it's a process. You've heard the old saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. Well, even in church, we can learn from that statement. Rome wasn't built in a day. There's still a lot of things that I, I want to do. And I know God's not done with me yet. But it's in his timing. It's in his timing.